Hi, everyone. Uh, we do have uh, some big thanks to uh, to put out to our Patreon subscribers. Uh, we have uh, we have a bunch of you now. Uh, next time I get an email from Mr. Derek Yarbrough with names, I will I will read them off. Uh, but we really appreciate you. We really appreciate all the listeners. And uh, yeah, go to uh, Patreon. I think dot com slash Slipangle, or just Google Patreon and Slipangle, and it shows up. Um, got a bunch of different levels there. We really appreciate the uh, support and hoping to to build the uh, the show and be able to go to some uh, some interesting places and record with some cool people. So, uh, And this show is supported by our buddies over at Apex Pro. Uh, it's data acquisition, except for it's a little bit less intimidating and uh, uh, it's it's a bit immediate in the uh, in the car. Uh, and it's, it's just a really cool uh, setup. So we, we met uh, Andrew from Apex Pro a couple of years ago at PRI. I uh, did a good show with him probably about 100 shows ago. If you want to listen to to uh, what Apex Pro was all about when they first started out, and now uh, they've become quite a bit more of a uh, uh, of a force in data uh, and in driver development. So, uh, if you uh, if you want to check it out, go to uh, go to their website uh, or uh, or check out the Apex Pro app for free on the Apple uh, App Store uh, and uh, and see what it's all about. So, Apex Pro hardware is four forty nine. Uh, and it can be expanded to offer OBD2 data and predictive lap timing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it is only on iOS. Uh, so dummies like me with uh, Android, uh, you get, you got to steal your mom's or your iPad or your wife's old smartphone. That's actually what I'm gonna, going to be doing. So, uh, yeah, and check them out. Uh, Apex Pro uh, at apextrackcoach.com or uh, hit up Andrew or any of the team over there. Uh, he's been uh, Andrew's been kind of a... Uh, a growing resource in the HPDE and racing world too. He's done a lot of racing and track day and and coaching and stuff uh, himself. Uh, we're going to be having him on pretty soon to talk about uh, a few different things. So look for a couple of shows with Andrew coming up. So apextrackcoach.com and uh, we will probably also be uh, selling them on our website shortly. So uh, we will let you know as soon as that is done. to make it sound sexier on... I think it's sexy enough. Can you give him a little bit of lather? <laughs> yeah, a little lather. <laughs> so we're recording now. That's yeah. going to be the start of the podcast. Perfect. I, no, that's fine. I hey, just... Slip Angle. We are still at Barber, trying to do as many shows as we can to justify a crazy trip down here. Um, in the chair, I've got Micaiah and Brandon, who we've talked about on the show before but never had a chance to talk to... These guys won the 2019 One Lap of America, and to me, that makes them really special. So welcome, guys. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having us. Thank you. Appreciate it. So uh, this year, uh, Mackay and Brandon drove a, what, what year is it? 20? Yeah, so that's a, that's a 2018 uh, Audi TTRS, um, and if people aren't familiar with it, it's a, it's a five-cylinder engine, which is... Um, really rare, but the people who know it have a lot of respect for it. So the it's been really cool to jump into that pool and and kind of see the history of it. Well, like one of the one of the hard parts about building a track car that like 
not everybody is driving is that you've got to do a lot of development stuff and figuring out things um, kind of in real time for yourself. Uh, you've owned the car a couple of years. What what have you like learned as you've developed it from stock to what it is today? So even one lap was quite the learning experience because I think Brandon's first time out in track with the car was during one lap. Mm-hmm, yeah, during qualifying, actually. That yeah. was the first time. Well, other than you, I think you let me drive it from your place maybe down the road to to South yeah, Bend. Yeah, I believe he did some road, road transit. But as we were driving there, we were still conversing about what the best technique was to use for the transmission, whether it should be in, in sport or manual mode, and even the traction control, whether it should be in sport or fully off. Like, we hadn't even discovered this yet at this point. So The as, platform was just so untested. And, correct. And it was just... An experimentation. We had no idea what problems to expect, how successful it would be. So truly, I went into it really not knowing anything about that five-cylinder engine other than it can make a lot of jam under the right circumstances. So I was I was very curious and excited about it. But yeah, untested, not really sure what to expect. And so um, if I remember, obviously the, the wet skid pad starts um, and then after that is over. How did you guys do in, in the wet skid pad? Because it seems like the car has a uh, propensity for like front wheel bias, right? Yeah, I think I think it was a. You drove for, for no. a wet skid pad, didn't you? Uh, I did dry. You did wet. Okay. So <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure we were like eleventh. That's roughly. really really good. Yeah, and we we had PS4S tires, so that definitely helped. We and historically, the, the Audi TTRS with another driver has done really well on wet skid pad. It is a good skid pad That's car. Scott, right? Yep. Yep. Yes. Yep. Who campaigned and did well, but. Uh, you know, he he decided to give up on the chassis. Well, he had a previous generation, though, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, and they're quite different, honestly. So I, I don't blame him. <laughs> right? Yeah. So he he definitely had a watchful eye of what we were doing because he loves the car. It's a it's a neat car. You you do kind of fall in love with it. Yeah. And so um, you kind of you're off to a great start because you get a really solid finish in the wet, and then the autocross is not deep into the week, right? It, it happened pretty quickly? No, the autocross was deeper into the week. It was at NCM. Uh, oh, that's no, no, right. No. Autocross was the first thing Sorry, right after yeah. wet skid. Sorry, guys. I, so I'm getting my one you, laps confused. What's Way too many <laughs> one laps. So yeah. You've done four. Five now. I've done five now. My God. Um, four with the one lap uh, Evo, one lap RS Evo, and uh, now one with Micaiah. So. That's unbelievable. So, yeah, I get the I get the years confused. So, it, Micaiah so went, you went, you went from... South Bend, straight to Peru, and you were at the Peru. autocross yeah, there. Right. Uh, Grissom Air Force Base. That's how right. Did, yeah. uh, how did you do there? Um, Brandon drove there, and so that, yeah, he he ended up taking second. Was it second? Yep. Behind? I want to say Robert Thorne in the GTR. Yeah, he did. Okay. did, he did I believe dip Andy on, yeah. Hollis was third or fourth. No, Camaro. No. Um, Chris Vanderwalk. Fitch. Fitch, yeah. Fitch well, in in a, a third-gen Camaro for fourth-gen. Holy smokes. He can drive. He can drive. Uh, he was at UMI driving Yonkers car also mm-hmm. and drove really well there. Very. He was the number one qualifier uh, for the, the shootout. So, yeah, he's he can wheel. That guy's a good driver. So, uh, as you guys had the car set up for one lap, it was stock turbo. Yes. Um, minimal aero. I think you had a wing on it. Yep. We and had a rear spoiler just to kind of settle it down. We weren't trying to make downforce. We were simply trying to make the chassis predictable. Okay. And then you were still on stock suspension? 
Um, we did some minor modifications. So we had some uh, lowering springs in the car that were slightly higher rate, and then some top hats to help us get camera in the front. Okay. And other than that, it was just Did you have to do up. any like roll center adjustment with lowering and everything? No, it, it pretty much lined up. Now we've made some changes to, to help with that, but at the time it was pretty much a showroom car with a couple bolt-ons. Yeah, the stock magnetic damper system was yep. still working. and So it, that was a nice thing. With one lap, you do have to be cognizant of the fact that you're going a long way over the road, so you want to be comfortable. So if you go too crazy and you have a really prepped car... It can get uncomfortable. So having the Magna Ride where we could put it in, you know, a softer touring kind sure. of suspension mode, that was really helpful. And if you can be more rested, that makes the track driving much better. Well, I bet your experience, uh, if you compare the TTRS to years in the Evo, it's very different. It is very different. <laughs> There's a year in the Evo where uh, we are all wearing Bose noise-canceling headphones and, you know, to talk to each other, we had to text each other so that it was... It was a little bit insane yeah. uh, with, with that car. And yeah. I bet in this car you had heated and cooled seats the whole time. Yeah, with violins playing in the background. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. uh, at that time, you had done some like ECU upgrade, uh, like a new flash, right? Yeah, we work with a company called Unitronic who really has helped us out a lot in the platform. And they're they're Canada based, is that right? Yeah. So John Staffy is my contact there, and he's been amazing to work with. Um, and they they're pretty much one of our sponsors. That's that's the way we view it, because they've been so helpful, and we're very appreciative for. They worked overtime. You know, we call them on a Sunday, and they answer. We're we're here to track today. I, I emailed him yesterday, or uh, sent him a sent him a text, and he got back to me within seconds. So it's been amazing to work with someone like that, and it's really nice to see because. Some of the flash companies we see nowadays are simply just a flash company, and they're right. not going to help you. Um, and so that's kind of what attracted me to these guys is they, they, um, they're a flash company, but they're willing to help you when you need that extra support. Okay. And they do it on a global scale. So a really cool company to find, and they have an interest in whatever you're interested in. So, so uh, as it was set up for one lap, you had a like kind of a stage one type flash, but you were still on stock components. Like yeah, so the Audi community refers to to that car as a stage two for okay. one lap, and that meant it was um, stock turbo. It it could have had an exhaust like a downpipe uh -huh. and an intake and an intercooler. And that's kind of what the Audi community refers to as stage two. Okay. Um, the one lap tune that we ran, I think we dynoed it at 480 wheel horse. That's I want to say so much for so little effort. Yeah, <laughs> and we didn't we didn't really do anything. We ran E85 um, for one lap. Is that a is it a direct injection motor or port? So it's both. It's, it's dual. both, so yeah. that you can run E85 and it's not a big deal. Correct. Okay. Um, once again, that's where Unitronic came into play because the the ECUs are extremely complicated in those cars. Um, Everything's tied. Yep. You have one thing out of parameter, and then it's just like, okay, now something's not right. You're getting into limp mode. It yep, doesn't right. matter if it's suspension or, or you know, traction control or fuel or whatever. It's just automatic. They're so smart, those ECUs. It's, you need to have some support on that. Yeah, and to Brandon's point, we what, kind of goes back to the beginning of the show. Um, we ran into it at Road America right away. This That was the second big track, right? Mm, yeah. And I, I I was driving at the time, and I put a wheel off on the curbing, mm, and it was that's right. it was too bumpy for the suspension's liking. Basically, it registered a large bump, and it kicked the car into limp mode. So we were we were live session, and the last half lap, we got 
bone pretty hard. Yeah, it, um, I mean, it doesn't. The time doesn't stop, and it's accumulative right. over three laps. And Road America is not a short course, so right. that that kind of killed that session a little bit. But yeah, we lost. I think we lost a little over ten seconds in in a half a lap. I believe it was ten seconds. Or where was the bump? Um, it was in five. So I went wide through five a little bit. Okay. Um, and you want to track out there, you do. But in <laughs> the rumbles car, on the outside there are, yes. are very they're massive. Big, yeah. yeah, they're big. Um, and if you do it right, it, it's perfectly fine. And I, I was getting aggressive, and I literally dropped the right front tire right off the edge. And it, it seems like you've got a habit of that. <laughs> <laughs> I like to push them. You know, I like to find the limits. Um, but yeah, that was enough to kick it in the limp. Limp is four thousand RPM and like hundred and ten miles an hour. So. All of a sudden, a yellow S2000 appeared in my rearview mirror right before the... Was that a little mosquito? Yeah, little mosquito. Yeah. Super K came out of nowhere in a hurry. So um, We knew something was up. Um, a little bit nervous, but I had no idea what to be nervous about because we didn't. I didn't understand the car just yet. Well, the good news, if Alex... Can I, can I talk about Alex? Um, it would, oh, because yeah. I did pass him earlier that session, right? That was the same session? Sure, it is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I... Yeah, I was able to pass Moss, but then he caught back up to me. So I don't know if I can really brag about it, but I figured I'd just point that out in case anyone missed right. it. Right, just for no. And Moss has purposes. been on the show like two or three times in the last couple of days. So uh, <laughs> listeners should be familiar with him by now. But, uh, it's very charming. Among very this charming. group of people, there's a whole lot of shit talking and a whole lot of uh, camaraderie. So I, I'm staring at Moss right now. He has no idea we're talking about him, so I can't <laughs> wait for this moment. Uh, yesterday when we recorded, we got a chance to talk about Pete and how he had a train of cars uh, <laughs> lined up behind him here at at his favorite track. So he, uh, he to see how fa- red his face was, it was about as red <laughs> as your shirt, Makai. Oh, oh man, <laughs> yeah. He's got a lot of shaking down to do with that beast. That's that's a car to get used to. Holy yeah, for yeah. Sure. If anyone heard the V8 rumble in the background two minutes ago, that's that was Pete's monster getting fired up. So. Um, you're you're doing really well. You're you're looking at a top ten finish for sure, and potentially even a podium. Um, when did things really start to like uh, cement where you like knew, hey, this is really possible. We might get a win here. I think. Well, honestly, after I felt the handling on the autocross and what it was able to do, and then seeing the potential on our first qualifying track event. I, I think like, you qualified fourth there. Yeah, we or qualified fifth or something. It was it was up there. It was we really we high. qualified really well. At that point in time, I was like, "Oh, we have a weapon. Right. This is we're we're going to be in the hunt um, as long as we can make it to the end." And that's one lap. You have to survive. As long as we can make it to the end, I knew we had an opportunity. Uh, right, almost from that first track event. Well, Moss and I have been talking over the last couple of days about like what kind of track car is going to be around for an awfully long time and where the high watermark is for like track rat cars. And we kind of thought that uh, 2006 cars and earlier might be the cars that we see ripping around track forever, just because mechanically they're quite a bit simpler and the electronic intervention between systems is a lot less. Um, And I know that some of our listeners and even some of the grid life drivers, Jackie Ding, for example, it has a new chassis Supra and is is doing a lot of this this development on it. But again, you're you're talking about systems that are connected, and he's fighting electronics and transmission and all of this stuff. With with the TTRS, does right now it seems like things just kind of work, even even at the power level. I would I would say that's ninety percent true. Um, 
we still had during one lap was a good example we still had to drive around quite a few small things i would say um there was a there's a few no-nos and i, I don't even remember what they were anymore but i remember saying to brandon like okay don't do this um mm-hmm. the, the brakes are a good example if you try to go 100 percent braking instantly it'll it'll kick a hard pedal back at you okay and really overshoot a corner some cars you can get away with that this car hates it mm-hmm. this car if you breathe on the brakes and then progressively you know progressively smash the pedal it'll stop like a champ but the other big thing as a driver that it's an all-wheel drive chassis so you think coming out of a corner you should be able to just mash it yeah and go but that thing accelerates so hard and the transmission talking with the diff if it detected any kind of slippage it it cut power instantly so even with traction control even with traction traction control completely off uh, the Audi systems just kind of were overriding. So the that. the transverse mounted Audi engines are Haldex all wheel drives. Is that is that's that what correct, yours is? Yeah. Okay, it's and probably have, like generation five or I whatever. I believe that's right. And they're they're open diff front and rear, and they use the braking system to try to to try to act like a diff to slow down the wheels. So what we kind of discovered now with the current modifications is as we added a diff in the front and added. Um, Added more camber, added more grip with coilovers. And this is since one lap. This is since one lap, yep. Now that we're starting to to add these things, we're figuring out that the chassis is happier. So as we add more grip, the car is getting better, and we weren't sure if that was going to happen. We, th- we thought maybe the opposite would happen, and the computers would become more angry because it was developing further from OEM. So fast-forwarding almost, almost a year, it, at Barber today is really... Or t- today and yesterday is where you really got to feel some of those changes are actually working. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a really cool progression. So since winning one lap, you've done an awful lot of things, including some some weird, cool things. You've done some mods, but uh, are you still the world record holder for TTRS? Um, it's it's a technicality. It's a stock turbo world record holder. Okay, so stock. it's the fastest stock turbo TTRS in the world. And um, how fast? And what is were it? those stats? <laughs> so it ran a nine six at one hundred and forty two miles an hour. <laughs> with a, a sixty foot of a one, with like a one four. I think it was like a one four three. <laughs> Absolutely that, unbelievable. With stock turbo, that is yeah. just staggering. When you think about it, when you when you mash the pedal in that car, it rolls through the gears. I don't know quicker than what you can fathom. It is. It's insane. The pairing, that transmission is fun. It's it is. borderline sequential good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little different, but it's borderline sequential good. And what's very odd about it is it doesn't give you the feeling that you're going as fast as you are. Because in a typical car that we're all used to, a, a handshaker, you um, you have a gear change and your head slams forward when you throw the clutch in. And then you get this massive rush of boost for most of us. And your head slams back again. And you're like, wow, this thing pulls. And with that transmission, it sets you back in your seat and then just never just stops there, pulling. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this isn't a 600-horse car or whatever. But then you look at the Speedo and you're you're overwhelmed. You're dumbfounded. It's it's wild. So a 9.6 with stock turbos. It doesn't yeah. have stock turbos anymore. Have you taken it back to the track? I don't even know. There's only one turbo on there. Or excuse me, a, turbo. Yeah, yeah, turbo, probably. yes. Um, so we... The whole purpose of keeping the stock turbo on the car last year was to gain that world record. Um, we kind of did it for Unitronic's sake and for our own sake to kind of gain publicity with the car because our, our goal is to develop the car. And to do that, we wanted that publicity. We wanted we wanted people to recognize it and recognize that we were trying to push the, cha- the chassis to its limit. Um, so as soon as we accomplished that goal, 
uh, we swapped on a slightly larger turbo, um, a, st a stock frame with, uh, I want to say, an extra 15 pounds of flow if people are really techie about it. So how many uh, factory flow on the turbo is how many pounds per minute? I want to say it's a 54. That's quite a lot anyway. Yep, it uh, is. My, my EFR7163, I think, was... Uh, I think a 60 pound per minute turbo sure and that that's a lot of jam yep yep um and so you're saying this one's like 70 pounds a minute i want to say so i want to say i want to say it's in the 70s that's awesome yeah. <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's mid 70s 70 74 actually rings a bell and i'm not 100 percent sure it's a it's manufactured by uh tile and better known as zona and they're they're pretty hot so i, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing a lot of them pop up in the grid life series and and everywhere because they well, I'm trying fantastic. like heck to get you to come out to uh, to ours. So, <laughs> so I I love what you guys do. Um, I don't have a lot of time to to make it to uh, you know five events or or you whatever. You have to do four. Four, okay. Yeah, but I I would love to, and it definitely is going to be on my radar for this year. So that that chassis is is really really neat. And so mm -hmm. now now what kind of power do you make? Um, the last time we dynoed it, I think it put down like six. 20 to 640 somewhere in there and it it will make more than that because we weren't quite at um requested boost and we're still on a stock air box and stock air filter so stock exhaust stock exhaust <laughs> and we're already at 640 so we're, we're expecting to be able to easily get close to 700 wheel mark so who's making who's making parts for for that chassis um unitronic is a hardware company as well they okay. have they have a good selection of parts and if they don't have them they know who to trust so like the, catbacks and airboxes and stuff is is that's the plan um yeah so unitronic has an airbox that we will be running okay and it, it does pick up some flow um there's another really good company that unitronic works closely with and they're called uh iras motorsports out of uh las vegas and i got the chance to meet hank at pri okay it was a pleasure to talk to him and to he's probably the leader in the chassis in the entire world as far as pushing the limits um, he he owns the quarter mile world record for the chassis, and he's down like the eight second range. Wow! With a four door a, RS three, so there's a lot of talk about this car in the in the quarter mile world, and I think for me the most exciting part is that the track potential Correct. has really not been tapped into. Right. Because what we did, I think, was sort of revolutionary for that car yes and well i think what you're seeing is is that it, it might be the perfect all-arounder and that's why you guys did so well at one lap is because the autocross potential is huge too mm -hmm. and so now you have a, a solid track car that can be driven far and it's reliable you can make a ton of power with it and like i think a lot of people disregard how important the the drag finishes are during one lap because if you do poorly you're you're fighting back the whole time and so like solid finishes or even top 10 finishes there helps so mm -hmm. much you went well in all categories and did you guys make it deep into the bracket for um i think we made it through like four rounds yeah you did really well uh, because of you know micaiah's uh, drag experience he did all the dragging and uh did really well i think on one lap you managed a 10 10-4 yeah 10-4 oh i think we were second fastest so behind the mclaren mclaren did a 10-2 i believe yeah, I think. roughly. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep, Andy's, Andy's so good. Yeah, yeah, Andy Hollis. He's he's, he's an amazing guy. Yep. He, if you guys don't know the Hollises, uh, you should. They're they're great people. So, 
Uh, I think some people might know it was awfully wet at Black Hawk uh, for during the the week. How did your car do during that session? It's hard to talk about Black Hawk in general because it's just there's a you know you race with with, with your friends. Sure. And when something you know bad happens to one of your friends or you see see you see them you know wreck something that's precious to them, that that's tough. And yes, that kind of did. Vault it's us like put into a damper lead, on everything, but it's not the way that you want to see it happen. Right. Anything happens in racing. He was okay. Um, you know, we hugged. You know, there were some tears, but um, that's it's hard to even. I think when Makayo was on track, I it was hard to even concentrate after the incident. You know, he came in very distracted. You could. It was very emotional for everybody. I believe it. So. Yeah, it was. It was late in the week and. To, to be that deep in the game and to know you know what's at stake and to see it firsthand was it was probably the, the most emotional moment I've had in auto racing as far as true raw emotion goes yeah, for sure. because I really felt for Andy at that point and um, was terrified and just unbelievable amount of emotions because we stopped on track they stopped us and the only thing we saw was a McLaren on a berm in a tree Mm-hmm. And we didn't know what happened. And they, you know, we're sitting there. <laughs> yeah, it's think, a, very, a very scary sight. Yeah. I think I talked to Robert Thorne um, in the last couple of months, and he was talking about maybe he was right behind uh, Andy. I don't know if that's I right. I he was, but yeah. I think he said, I mean, obviously they're just kind of pacing through, and I think he said he had planned to enter that, what was it, three? Yep. As fast, if not faster, than Andy did, and it was because he saw something that he like checked up and and avoided another incident. But he said it was just it was slicker than anyone could have predicted, mm-hmm. um, which surprises me. I mean, I think we've run in the rain there before, but yeah, it's, it's a very dangerous track in the rain because um, the entry to three is really broad, so everyone takes a different line there. Yep, and so the whole entry is sketchy and. It's and there's not super, a lot of runoff room there. Nope, there's not. And it's super risky. So it, it I know Andy did everything he could, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's and he's a absolute magician behind the wheel. He's an amazing guy. So um now you've got lots of power and I think you told me you're planning to do a, a rear diff. Is that that's just to kind of balance out the rear a little bit more? Yeah, so um we did a front diff this year. Uh just a wave track. And the theory behind it was to to try to keep um, the wheels the wheel speed sensors closer, um, not as much delta between them. Hopefully, sure. it keeps the car happier. So we did that massive improvement. The car will now accelerate out of a corner more like an all-wheel drive car and claw its way out. Um, the rear is still open, and so today I there's a couple spots in the track, and if you go with me this afternoon, you'll probably feel it where the rear end. Um, you'll feel it kind of buck loose and you'll kind of feel the brakes apply Doing the a little, rear a little yeah. bit and it really slows the car down because you cannot just, you still can't quite mat it out of a entry. You have to really kind of feather it. Uh, and if you get it right, it's phenomenal, but we're hoping that rear diff does the same thing, which allows you to just mat it whenever you want to and be gone. Yeah. Um, Cause it really, it really lets you drive without having to think then. Okay. And um, with the, if you're doing intake and exhaust stuff, I mean, are you expecting to add more power on top of where you're at? Not much. Um, I I think of stuff like that as free power. It's currently 
it's currently a stock system. If you if you free it up and let it breathe better, you're asking less of the other components. Sure. You're you're creating cooler EGTs. Yep. Um, you're able to run a little less boost to make the same power. So it's all about the big picture. And when we put the bigger turbo on, the goal was to drop EGTs and to extend the rev range a little tiny bit up top. Sure. It wasn't really to make a ton more power, even though we did. Um, it was nice. It's a nice benefit. Yeah. It it's more about the longevity in the big picture. So. Um, I'm I'm still amazingly impressed that the long block and the trans are 100% stock. Yes, it's crazy. Yep, like, unopened, um, no cams, no head studs, transmission. We changed the oil on it when we did the diff. Um, you don't need to touch it. It's, that's so cool. And there's guys making far more power than me. That I'm not I'm not the power leader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But when we were tracking, it's not like you, because of the way that the power gets to the ground, Yeah, it's not like you need a ton of power on that car. At, when, at the track events, we were running the 480 tune, weren't we? Yeah, we were running the 480 tune. Um, and even today, I I asked John for a file that was safe, and he gave me a, a detuned version. So I don't know what power we're at today. We're probably somewhere in the mid-fives, if I had to guess. But And so we're at Barber. And this is my first time here, and I think this place is awesome. And Gorgeous I'm going facility. to try like heck to get us an event here um, because I think it's probably the best place in the South. Yeah, they hey, run, a, they run an indie event here. The facilities are probably the, one of the most well-manicured in the country. Well, and I, like, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The grounds here are exceptionally beautiful. Uh, I think... I think Road America is also very beautiful. Mm-hmm. I look at this place though, and the first thing I noticed is that there are posts for 50 amp power, like everywhere, every 25 feet in the paddock, <laughs> and there are three like giant paddocks. You could put as many race cars and semi trailers in this facility as you wanted. Not to mention the track is incredibly fun. Yeah, it's it, there's a lot of natural elevation and it's it's challenging. Um, there's not um like, there's not a ton of really really high speed uh, straights like we're used to mm-hmm. seeing at Road America, but I bet the average speed is very high because it's very flowy and you're you know you're running between seventy and one hundred and thirty miles an hour pretty much all the time. You're doing something behind the wheel almost all the time. Yep. So it is an exciting track as a driver. Uh, you won't have it mastered after a weekend. So that that also is kind of an interesting thing. If if you have something to work at, it makes you want to come back. So it's a it's a track you end up wanting to return to. So you're running a a new build, uh, and Micaiah's running the the TTRS. Yeah, the new build is going to be the backup uh, one lap car because I'm I'm in love with it. It's a it's an S54 uh, swapped E36 which I do uh, plan on bringing to street class or grid life. I'm so excited for that. It is a very fun car. I think the potential with that chassis and that engine is amazing. So this was the inaugural event, and it's doing great. It's made every session. Uh, little kinks to work out here and there, but it's still getting out on track every single session, and uh, we're making laps. So uh, this is for context. You're not a slouch behind the wheel by any stretch of the word. This is a new chassis, and you're shaking some things down. So you're running 38s here at Barber? Is that no, right? Oh no, no, no. That's Andy. Andy and in, in the S2000. I haven't, I haven't been able to get um, a clean hot lap yet because I've gotten the meatball flag a couple times. I've got some tire rubbing issues and massaging the fenders and cutting things here and there. Um, so I you think you're in the low 40s? I, yeah, it, okay. it's a low 40s car. So fast lap for Micaiah in the TTRS today. 
So the E30 with an S54 swap is not a slouch. Not a driven slouch. Driven by, it, by it a solid driver. Micaiah, what was your fast time today? Uh, we had a couple 32s in traffic, <laughs> and there's one 30 on there as well. And then we know there's more in it. So that's, put that in perspective. That's yeah. so fast, and it's so much faster than a fast car already. Mm-hmm. So um, Zach, one of our new friends, I don't know what his fast time around here is, but that car is pretty quick too. Yeah, he's got a, a 2,700-pound E46, um, and that thing, that hauls the mail. He he typically runs on slicks when he's here, and I think he's got a low qualifying time of a 33.8 or something like that. Oh, my. So he's he's quick in that car. Wow. I think Sack up. I think I he said no it was like... Come on, let's go. <laughs> I think he said it was like 315 horsepower, but it weighs about 2,700 pounds. It moves pretty good. It does. Um, and he knows this track. He's got lots of laps here. And how many times have you been here? Been this here is my first time. Are you liking it? Yeah, I love it. It's uh, it's been kind of challenging because we've only I've only had two sessions that are dry so far, and unfortunately, there's a lot of traffic. I, <laughs> I picked the wrong group. Um, so I I was don't that, was that 32 in traffic? Yeah, there's <laughs> there's always traffic. I mean, but what's cool is they allow. If you're in one of the top two groups, they allow you to pass pretty much anywhere as long as, in our group, as long as you get a point by. Mm-hmm. And I think in advance, they're doing it without point buys. Was I, did I hear that right? Um, you can pass anywhere, but they, it's still appreciated. To point by, okay. And what I have noticed is at the event here, um, just about everybody seems to be aware of their mirrors and looking to give point buys just about wherever they can. Yeah, uh, that's something that, in the time attack world, I think a lot of people l- learn over time, and I, I haven't been to many grid life events, but you know, if if as a community everyone is conscious of that and conscious of how much room is on track, you can really, you know, help each other because that's that's what's exciting about racing is pushing each other's limits. Yep. And so uh, Brandon and I went out in the E30 earlier, E36. and oh, it's an E36. Sorry, that's okay. Um. And what, what I noticed was that there was a Radical out on track, and I, I kind of love Radicals also, but he was awfully slow to warm up, um, and we started doing some laps, and, and the tires ended up like starting to fall off a little bit and getting a little greasy, um, but it seemed like that guy was just starting to come alive, where like we, we let him pass, and he just ripped on. So I think you know, drivers approach this track a little bit differently, and it takes some time to warm up to it. Absolutely. It's definitely one that... There's a few blind corners. Um, there's a couple faith spots where, if you if you don't have the faith to put the car through there, you're not going to be fast here. So so like, I I know that there's a ton of opportunity in turn one to get some time, um, because it seems like when you start to go down uh, up over crest and the car starts to load up, there's a lot of back. grip there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's a good example, and I'll I'll kind of talk about it because that's a corner i'm struggling with currently and i'm still working on figuring it out you can always break deeper <laughs> right and you, you can but it's it's weird because there's a downhill entry towards the end so in your brain it tells you that you should do most of your braking before that um and then as you start to turn in your car understeers understeers like wild because it is a downhill section and you look ahead and you go oh i'm gonna go off track and there's woods there. Yeah, there's woods there. There's a little patch of pavement that leads to the woods, and you're like, oh, that's where I'm going to head. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the, the ground comes back, car loads up, and you have all this grip, and you're like, why did I go through that so slowly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it it's, it's a funky, very deceiving. Yeah, funky corner. I'm struggling with the speed aspect because my the entry speed on there is 
too high. I feel like if I would just enter it at like 100 and and try it a few times, maybe I could get the hang of it. But I'm really struggling with it right now. So um, there's always more learning to be done. And that's what are you entering one at w- I when you look, come down the front I, straight? Yeah, I can't look down. <laughs> yeah, it's too crazy. Do you think there's a potential for a 29 in that car? Absolutely. Yeah. Whew, God, at Barber in the 20s. Yeah, the so the, th- the low 30s, it was still damp. Um, the race line was dry, but there's a couple spots where I could have exploited more track, but it was wet, and so I had to kind of stick to the to where the most people were on the dry line. So well, right now it's potential. really sunny. Yeah, it's, uh, so we're going to go back gorgeous. out. But yeah. I think we're going to cook the tires because I, I have little 275 uh, RS4s on there, and they hold heat, but... This car produces a lot of heat. So, <laughs> so. Uh, that that's another thing, right? Yeah. The the RS4 is a, a solid DE tire and it yep. wears really well. But in the the group of 200 trail wears, it's not considered to be the fastest. So you just did a, a 30 on not a prime tire. Yeah, and I I think the RS4s kind of get knocked a little more than they should like every every driver likes their tire. Yeah, yeah sure. they're okay. I I wouldn't say they're the fastest thing out there, but they're not far off the pace you think so yeah they're not terrible um yes they're not they're not as competitive as the re's or the aos but yeah they're not my favorite tire no they're not a favorite but they're not that far i mean i'd put them in the same category as like the the conti and like it's a it's a solid solid de tire because you get a great value out of it and they just wear bang for the buck is it's one of the better tires out there i i think the falcon 615 was kind of another one that yeah like, seems similar to that tire to me mm-hmm. um, it's like a trade-off right i yep, mean if you're yep. i realize some people might disagree but if you're talking 200 treadwear tires the, the the kumo acr tire is the only tire in terms of like this fits the rule book per the rules it is the fastest tire correct but uh with so limited sizing options it, you don't have a whole lot of choice in whether or not you can fit it or not mm-hmm. borsma put 19s on his car last year to run them um, but even went away from that because of you know how well that worked for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you put 19s on your car? So, um, little teaser for everyone: the the car is going to have the ability to fit whatever we want on it, as far as width goes, at some point in the near Neat. future. Ooh. Ooh. Um, Neat. We have 19s already, and so we'll have the ability to put on the the widest ACR, which is a 355. No, don't do that. That's crazy. <laughs> That's so crazy. If, if we wanted to, um, we would have that ability. So I think Kevin Wesley did that on the uh, the wide body charger uh, for mm-hmm. the last couple of years. It's an awful lot of tire in the front, and, and I, I think. Because that's so much tire, there's a lot of rotating mass. Uh, a 355 correct. Kumo is very heavy. Very heavy. Yeah, and it it might not be the correct choice, and I agree with you there. It, it probably won't be what we run, but if we want to, we can experiment. And so how do you make it fit? Um, <laughs> I have a good friend that uh, made us an outstanding offer on the car to develop some um, aero bits, some carbon fiber wide body bits is it gonna look i hope it looks a little bit like tcr cars I, like they, imsa tcrs are so pretty um i would love to see see this is what's exciting about this car is that this kind of stuff hasn't been developed yet and yeah. to be kind of in this moment and be yep. part of that it's really cool to see wow well, if you do that then you're you're solidly in track mod i think but <laughs> i also think that it's probably the perfect place for you because um 
we there's a lot of really cool stuff. Um, Ferris is rebuilding his Corvette, and he was very fast last year. Swenson is always fast. If if Pete runs in track mod, now you have you know a half dozen cars that are uh, elite by almost any standard, but they're still potentially roadworthy, and that right. that in itself is pretty interesting. Yeah, and I that's one of the points of the cars. Um, I kind of built it with one lap in mind, and I want to keep it that way. I, I want it to be a street car to be able to you know take it to dinner if I want to. So it still has. The front half of the interior is fully in it, and the back interior panels are still fully in it. So if you throw a felt over the bare metal on the back floor, it looks like a complete street car minus the race seat. It has a roll bar back there, though, right? Uh, not yet. Oh, you um, should you yeah. should do that. I was going to say, yes. when's the cage going in? Yeah, that's, that's on the to-do list for sure. Um, it needs to happen. Car's silly fast. Yeah. And I, I think um, what we did this year, and this would apply to you, Brandon, um, depending on how fast you go, we we built a roll bar roll cage rule into the set for this year because we want to promote safety as much as we can, um, and it's it's a little bit like I guess NHRA's goal where it's if you run this fast you're you're kind of obligated. Yeah. Um, but what we did that's a little bit different is we took the track record for a given track, let's say Gingerman, which Will has a twenty three, I think. And we made it so that for track mod and street mod, if you're within 112% of that time in track mod, you have to have a roll cage. Or if you're between uh, like below 115% mm -hmm. for street mod, you have to have a roll bar. As a sanctioning body, I think it's just a good good practice to encourage safety. So I I appreciate that those rule sets and. You know, if you if you're going faster on a track, you got to be safe. So I, so we started good. to look at the numbers, and like 112 percent for track mod is like 32, okay. I think, which okay. is like right where we would draw the line anyway in the first place. And then for street mod, it's like a 34. Are so there, it's like, oh well, that yeah, that's that's what we want to do. And so it seemed like it really just worked out. How about rules on roll cages? Uh, if somebody has to have a cage. Does it have to be welded? Can they have a bolt on? Um, in the GTCR, it it explains very clearly, and Adam is kind of the lead on all things related to safety. Um, a bolt-in ro roll bar for street and street mod is always encouraged, and uh, those classes require that cars have uh, interior components installed. But for the last several years, uh, we have given like a blank check allowance for if you put a roll bar in the back end of your car, we know that it's heavier than the interior components. So do whatever you need to do to make it fit. Which I appreciate. And we utilized those permissions on the E36. So I, thank I think you. it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause you know, the car's not getting lighter by no. putting a bar in, but it makes it so that you can run the safety equipment that you should run in cars going that fast. Because even if the rule started as well, these are supposed to be like street cars out on track. Uh, the series has evolved in a way where cars are seriously fast. And it's attracting some good drivers. People are getting more seat time. They are going faster. So, yeah. Well, certainly, you don't ever want to be in a position where you would inadvertently or advertently discourage safety. So, just, just go crazy. As much safety equipment as you can possibly put in. That's If you don't have a Hans, go buy a Hans. Yeah, if you don't have um, nice harnesses, and I'm a, get some harnesses. I'm a big advocate for the Simpson Hybrid. Yes, because at least at the time that I purchased it, was the only 
head and neck device that you could use with a three point. Yes. And it works. Everybody listen to what he just said. That's so important. So I don't know if there are any others on the market now that also have that certification, but uh, Adam is very particular about roll bars or harness bars Mm -hmm. um, and whether or not they're appropriate for track cars because he has seen in the past uh, like a car roll over and the roof collapse. Yeah. Um, And if you are, if you're harnessed in, um, you can't, if the roof collapses, you can't get out of the way. So if you're going to have that kind of equipment, you, you either need to use the three-point factory belt or you need to go all the way. Um, and because, you know, I still wanted to use, uh, I still wanted safety equipment for one lap a few years ago, even though it was a big expense, I think mine was like $1,000, uh, it was the right choice because I could have the, the safety equipment and the three-point, which was factory. When you think about it, that's, Cheap insurance for your life. Absolutely. Correct. You know, that's not expensive when you're considering the the, the, the risks. So. Well, and to me also, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I more often than most probably I'll jump in the passenger seat of a car and I'm not necessarily doing instructing, but I am with drivers that are going fast. Um, and, and sliding around. And- yeah, yeah, a little bit of that. So I get a whole lot of comfort knowing that I have... Uh, head and neck safety equipment even if the passenger seat doesn't have harnesses or if they do and that's that's what's cool about that hybrid is yep. i was told you can wear it with or without yep any car you hop into so your point of you know i'm an instructor i'm yep. going for a ride with this person you have that safety equipment then yep and that's, I, I think that's it's a really big deal right and I, i'll advocate for that for anyone who doesn't already have a device because there are cheaper options that are like hans only um but you that comes with a like a a very narrow use situation right so um yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to both you guys potentially being at events this year uh the the midwest community has been really really uh gracious in supporting the series and it's grown in ways that we we never expected and also for every year we keep saying well that that had to be you know, the biggest time attack crowd that we'll ever see. Um, and then what just, you know, the, the release of the gold pass this year is like record. Kind yeah. Of it's sales. We, in, in a day and a half, we had more sales than we've ever had. That's so cool. Um, and every year it's like, Oh, that was peak time attack. It's only, it's downhill from here. People are getting tired and they're just, you know, this can't go on forever, but at least at the moment we're, we're incredibly proud to, to be an organization that gets a lot of support from drivers. And we, um, it's it's just been a fun ride. So, uh, are you does does the TTRS have a Facebook page? Do you post about stuff on Instagram? Like where, if people want to see about how awesome this car is, you should check out tracktune.com. That's our website. I took some pictures today. Um, but where else do you post dope diets? Um, there's a little bit online on Facebook. There's a one lap TTRS page. And, that, um, and that's mainly updated when we're doing the doing one, lap. one lap. Yeah. But because Micaiah is doing other things, he's he's keeping people updated a little bit here and there. Some of right. the drag, the drag stuff. I think your drag pass is on there with the time slip. So if you want to get the details on that, that's up. So yeah, one lap TTRS on Facebook. Are you going back to the drag strip anytime soon? Not really. It, that was kind of the goal was to was to run that pass. Um, I have a drag set up for the car with slicks and some tiny brakes. Um, and I'm most likely just going to sell it. It's just not my thing. I drag John, is John from Unitronic has been so supportive that right. we, we kind of wanted to sub- scratch his back, or I should say, Makai wanted to scratch his back too. Sure, yeah. Get get that record. So that was the big goal. And once that happened, now Makai seems like 
Yeah. Let's make this it, a track car. It was cool, but it's just not my thing. I mean, dra- drag is, if you're really into it, it can be fun. Um, but I, I've always been, you know, autocross and road race type. That's what I enjoy. And it's far more important for me to have a car that's built to that standard than a drag car. But drag is fancy and it's, it's exciting for an audience. It's something to talk about. It's so easier to compare across a broad audience. That Absolutely. And I think because of that, Adam and I um, are going to work really hard to make sure that the competition form of Time Attack um, for Grid Life is itself really spectator friendly. We've done brackets in the past and we're going to find ways to integrate that back into some of our festival events because it's just a, it's a key element to making sure that Time Attack is it's clear to see who wins and loses and it it sets stakes uh, in a way that isn't traditional, mm-hmm. um, where much like uh, you know an autocross nationals, whatever you did in the past is irrelevant. You have to be fast right now at this time. Mm-hmm. And that pressure is not what drivers are used to. And because of that, it's, it's unique and it's new and it's like people get butterflies. Oh, man, the bracket battles, the, the coverage that um, was pulled off at Speed Ring. I wasn't even at the event. Um, but I felt like I was there yep. and the excitement and the energy, I was getting butterflies. My adrenaline was flowing because the coverage was so amazing. If yeah. that can be done for the sport, that sport's really going to take off. Yeah. It's, it costs an awful lot of money to do yes. coverage like that, but it, it makes the sport really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we're excited for 2020 and I hope that I see you guys at NCM maybe, uh, we're super excited to be there. Uh, I love that track, and I know that a lot what's, of people... What's the date on NCM? I think it's April 21, 22, but that could be wrong. Um, it's kind of a early season Might opener for Might be able to get us. a birthday pass on that one from Ooh, Jasmine. that's a good idea. There you go. Well, you should just... We, we love having Jasmine at the track, too, she, so... Yeah, she likes to come along, too, and I like having her at the track. She's part of the community, too. Yep. So, uh, are you are... You also run 365 Racing, or at least part of that group. I, I promote 365 Racing. I mean, I mean, I'm good buddies with those guys. Okay. I wouldn't say that I run it, <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm part of it. It used to be a, a pretty active blog with some really neat stuff in it, and, and now it's just kind of like a, it's a resource that still exists, and people, if they want to know how to make um, studded ice tires... Oh, yeah. There's a pretty clear instruction manual for how to do it, right? Yeah, there. I think Andy's got some pretty good instructions, how-tos. I think there's a how-to on a simple splitter, too. But I know that the, that's older technology and some of the newer stuff that Pro Awesome has come out with and Mike has posted online. You know, there's there's so much uh, amazing information on, on the web right now in our community, and it's sort of been developed along the way. It's, yeah, it's so right. neat. So um, for, for anyone else, you know, keep an eye on TrackTune. There'll be an article written up on the TTRS uh, along with this show, follow uh, One Lap TTRS and look for these guys in the early spring to go out and attack One Lap of America again. So, in a completely transformed car or a backup E36 yeah, whatever, swapped with an S50. Whatever's running at the time. <laughs> so I really appreciate your time, guys, and uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Thank you Thanks for, having, for us. having us, man. Appreciate it, Abe. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at Gridlife to say hello.